love a good definition here. I've really forgotten how many times we've opened this show with a definition. But we're talking villains today. And Kim, you looked up the definition of a villain. Why are you laughing so hard? Because I think it's so funny. Because we, the when we were prepping for this, know. she's like, I think that we should open with the definition of a villain. <laughs> so okay, this is the definition podcast. <laughs> Crush definitionally. Crush dictionarily. <laughs> uh, it's a new podcast, guys. Okay. Definition of a villain. <laughs> just read to you from the dictionary. This is all we're going to do from now on. Definition of a villain. There's four different definitions I found. One, a character in a story or play who opposes the hero. Duh. Two, a deliberate scoundrel or criminal. Mm. Mm. Three, one blamed for a particular evil or difficulty. I like that one. Four, an uncouth person. <laughs> I love a and scoundrel. And there you have it. All scoundrel. Good. It all is good. all good. That definition, that third definition, though, one blamed for a particular evil or difficulty. I think that's a very progressive definition mm. of villain. Don't mm-hmm. you think? Like where, where we're looking at it, like. Uh, Oh, th- it, this is something that we blame. We blame, you know, we blame the world's problems on a villain. So that true. actually helped my uh, thinking of different villains that I like. That uh, that definition alone helps define where I am, like on the scale of villains. Like, oh, that actually really helps. That actually kind of, as opposed to it always being the, you know, the big bad, you know. Oh, the de- see, this is why we have a definition sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because we've done a villain episode before, but not in the realm of fantasy or sci-fi. So this is these we're talking today, we'll be talking about villains in the realm of either science fiction or fantasy. So stuff that's not really happening. But Kim and I always laugh week to week, not just about definitions, but that we've done a villains episode and it's our most popular crush fictionally that we've done thus far. It, it guys, the numbers for villains. Why? Why are we should have just done an entire podcast dedicated to just villains? Apparently, people love a good villain, though, right? Like, isn't that? Yeah, if that, you don't have a good villain, you don't have a good story. That we said that same that, thing before you joined. <laughs> that is. That, why do we love a villain? Nothing can happen without a villain. You do, otherwise, you just have a hero going around doing good stuff all doing the time. Good things. <laughs> true. <laughs> this is true. It's conflict, right? Uh, who was I talking to recently? Where someone? Oh yeah, uh, I don't remember. But I was having, I think, a general conversation with a friend, and someone was like, "Well, I don't like how this person started this way." you know, very bad. I'm, I'm oversimplifying the conversation, like how this character started, like very bad doing these bad things. And then by the end they're transformed. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's a story. Damn, like, character <laughs> development. That's, That's literally storytelling. That's literally storytelling. I mean, I'm pretty sure all like of the, the best villains out there that are the ones that people yes. love the most are the ones they start off as the baddie. And then by the end it's like, eh, but 
I kind of like him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you don't see the backstory in Eric Killmonger crying with mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown, jeez, oh, come on. Uh, you, yeah, you're, you're just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think there are, there are variances of villains, right? Like, I think there's like the lazy written villain where he's just evil for evil's sake, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't really- villain. Yeah, the evil mm. cackle guy and the 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 one who just wants to take 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 or whatever. And then But you there never have an affinity towards the lazy villain, right? No. Like if there's like a lazy villain like it was if like someone's the Muppet, got so like a, like a Muppet movie villain versus like a, a like a, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't care now what that's happens. That's the story to I want to see. <laughs> I want to see their origin story for the evil Muppet villain. That is the, the story that has not been told yet. The origin story for the guy that was really into frog legs. I can't remember his name. From, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Um, but that just is so funny. Like, uh, can we just get that origin story? All right, that's it. I'm writing it. Um, there you go. Okay. This can be a big so, break. I, well, it's, it's funny. Be like, I, I used to. I used to I used to teach a class called uh, "Writing Sympathetic Villains," like to, oh, to actually, you did? yeah. But this year, particularly, and really the past half decade, but this year in particular, I'd be like, did I was I giving people bad advice because like <laughs> like like because real villains like like the they kind of exist. Like maybe we're giving too much sympathy for villains by teaching people how to write. You know, I mean, you've got Killmonger is a great example of like someone who like, but was he wrong though? You know, like yeah, was he wrong know? to steal that art? Michelle says no. no. <laughs> Jim says no too. <laughs> you do it, Killmonger. Cool. I think personally, that's incredible. I had no idea that you taught a class on villains. Wow, how did we hit that nail on the head, uh, Michelle? You must have psych- your psychic uh, abilities came through yet again for this. But like that. That the idea of sympathetic and nuanced villains is so appealing to me. I've talked about, we talked about this on our previous villains episode, but I have, I have sympathies for the Magnetos, for the Cersei Lannisters. I do. I have absolute sympathies for those characters because they were so well written. And, and I'm talking about the TV shows, guys. Um, Please don't hold me against the comics or anything like that, or the books, like, please. But um, y'all know I don't read. But um, <laughs> unless it's paranormal romance series. Anyway, so um, I have sympathies for those characters because you see why they've become the way they've become. But I also think that if we really dug in deep to the real life villains in this world of today... I think we would probably, if we knew the backstory, I think we would probably have those same sympathies. Maybe not as deep. It doesn't mean we'll forgive them. It doesn't mean that we won't hold these people accountable. But I think we can understand why they get to become the awful person that they've become. I've actually thought about that with some real world villains lately. Like, I want to know when they decided to be that like when they're just because we've got some real world examples of like open, like just open villainy. Like there's there's like difference of opinion, like you're the bad guy in my story. And then there's like, yes. wow, you're doing terrible things to people that are helpless. Like, how did yeah. you become that? And there's right. got to be a turning point because I mean, I don't I'm, I'm kind of a misanthrope, but I don't actually think people are all born terrible. Like, I don't think you can actually yes. start off awful. Like there's yeah. got to be some turning point that you decide to become the villain. 
Um, part of the advice is always like, it used to be every villain knows, uh, is the hero of his own story. And I'm like, I'm not convinced of that anymore. I think some people know they're the villain and are okay with it. Um, mm. But I don't know how you decide to be okay with being the villain in the story. Um, we talked about that on the previous, uh, our previous villain discussion where we were like, are we, are we as individuals, the villain in somebody else's story? And Kim brought that up, which I think is really poignant. And I think it's true. Like we're the, we're the heroes and the villains in different stories, right? Like I could be the villain in somebody else's story and not know it. And I said, the biggest thing for me is like, how do I reconcile that though? If I did know that, that for me personally, that would, it, it would bother me. And I would, mm. I would ruminate on it more than I would focus on, oh, am I the hero in my own story? Like the whole thought of being a villain in somebody else's story. Um, but I think that's an interesting point. Like, when does it click for somebody to say, I'm the villain in everybody's story. I'm picking <laughs> on these helpless people and I'm a hundred percent okay with it. I'm just going to like double down and just keep going with being that villain. I did actually have the opportunity to find out I was the uh, the villain in somebody else's story. Um, one time, like, it was, is there going to drop a low level swear on this particular podcast? Of course, <laughs> okay, yes. So, I've dropped so many of a high level a call, swear. I got a call from a friend uh, at a bar. This was in my twenties. Uh, like, it's like, did you know so and so? Jared, like, they did this and that. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I know them. And like, oh, you're that asshole, Matt. Oh. And I'm like, wow, okay. How long have I been the villain in their story? <laughs> it's been about five years. I was just like, wow, I was that. And I had no idea that I had um, offended them in such a way that had uh, I was I was referred to as, as like I was the bad guy in that story. I'm like, okay, well, I won't Do be joining you in the bar tonight. Do you, you remember, remember like happened? a particular incident or was it like based on like a particular incident that um, caused that person it, to think that about you? What, what it, honestly, what it was, was me thinking they ghosted on me and them thinking I ghosted on them. <laughs> interest on both ends. And I thought, and I, and, and apparently that was, I was the, I was that asshole Matt in conversation. Like that, that was my name. Like I had, a, <laughs> I had that was my full name. And I'm like, okay, well, <clears throat> all right then. <laughs> Do you think you're in her contacts as asshole Matt? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, if if I if the phone ever rings, like, nope, no, that's what. <laughs> Don't <laughs> nope. answer. Don't answer. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I I truly often think this, and I think back to my childhood, and I think about man. I definitely have done some mean thing. Like I wasn't a mean girl in school, but I definitely have done some mean things to certain people. And I, I remember doing that. I want to be like, Oh God, I hope that person forgot about that. And I hope this is not something that they're still mad about me at mad at me about like 20 plus years later. Oh, uh, I do. I do think that shit. That's actually probably why I was so surprised because I will generally hold it against myself a lot longer than other people will. Like if I do something that I think might moderately have offended someone, like um, yeah. I I mixed up um, a friend's pronouns the other night and it was just, you know, as you do when, when someone has transitioned and you're getting used to say, and I mean like four days later, I still felt bad about it and oh, they didn't yeah, even notice that I did it in conversation or if they did, they just wrote it off. Like, oh, you know, it happens once in a, once in a blue moon, you know, yeah. the, um, they know your tensions weren't, were good. But it was like four days later. I'm like, man, I, 
I screwed up. That was bad. I, I, I should have been paying more attention. Like, so like, I generally will feel like I'm, I know when I'm the bad guy. So getting caught off guard, like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> For once, I wasn't holding myself uh, accountable because I didn't know. <laughs> usually, I, usually I'm perfectly willing to be like, yes, I'm, that was my fault. That's all me. I will hold it. I will hold it against myself for the next 25 years. But it was years. a big misunderstanding. So mm-hmm. it's not yeah, really. Well. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Don't guilt yourself, Matt. Michelle, who's our lovely guest today? Oh, uh, we are so excited. We have a real life crush with us today. Uh, Matt Fillion joins us. He is a working author and occasional filmmaker. Uh, you can find his books. The Indestructibles, which there are five different, you categorize them as sci-fi, fantasy, maybe. Uh, They're actually they're they're because they're superhero novels. They're comic books without pictures. Uh, I kind of call them kitchen sink sci-fi because comics can have a little bit of everything. There's a little bit of magic. There's a little bit of you know. Mm -hmm. There's anything that you can put aliens, uh, robots, and wizards in at the same time. I don't know. It's I guess it's sci-fi, right? <laughs> it's its own genre, baby. Yeah. Own genre, supernatural things we can't explain. I love it. Um, I highly recommend the Indestructible books. I will fully admit, um, I've started the first book in your series of five of the Indestructibles, and I have a fictional crush on Doc Silence, and I'm really hoping he doesn't turn out to be a terrible um, person slash villain, or maybe a great villain. Who knows? But. I'm into it. I'm into Doc Silence. He's my fictional crush from your well, series. I can, books. I can officially tell you that the next book in the series is his prequel. <gasps> um, that's what I'm working on currently. There's one just about him. Ooh. So, uh, and that's been my current, my current uh, um, writing project. So, Nice. Oh, I love me an origin story. I won't tell you, I won't tell you how it turns out, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we will find out. And then there you have two other spinoff series of The Indestructibles. Is Echo in the Sea one of them? Yes. Uh, Echo in the Sea is set in the same world. Um, kind of adventure on the high seas. Um, uh, Atlant- every, every superhero world has an Atlantis kind of an idea. Um, and then the third, um, someone actually referred to it when I was trying to explain it. It's um, called The Dungeon Crawlers. And they said, it's oh, so it's like Jumanji meets Dungeons and Dragons. Like, oh, yeah, that's, there's my marketing copy. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's going, your comps it's, right it's there. Going, yeah, it's going on the cover <laughs> of the, of the, ne- of the next, uh, the next print edition. Like, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I don't even need a, a review for that one. That's just going to be what I'm going to call it from now on. So, <laughs> whoa, yeah. people know exactly what they're signing up for. Sign me up, sign me up. So, Matt, we're so excited to have you join us today to talk about villains, especially since you used to, teach a class on sympathetic villains. Yeah. Which feels very strange to try to like, especially <laughs> now, like, I don't know, was I given bad advice? Like, like maybe sympathetic villains don't exist anymore, but. Um, <laughs> you are the villain in all of your students' stories. Yes. He <laughs> told <kidding>. me. <laughs> he told me to make these motherfuckers sympathetic. <laughs> uh, why did he do that? Oh my God. So yeah, we're going to talk villains, but let's go ahead and formally start the show. Matt and I were talking uh, via email before this show today. Um, Welcome back, everybody, to Crush Fictionally. Today, villains in sci-fi. And uh, lovely Matt and I were talking about villains and what makes 
a villain most interesting? Is it their character arc or is it visually how they appear, whether it's on screen or maybe even in your mind as you, if you're reading a book and there's a villain in there? Um, I think that's an interesting question. Matt brought that up. Like, how do I pick the most interesting villain or the villain that I have uh, a crush on fictionally? Um what is it based on? And I think that <laughs> I was wrestling with it. it. It really factored into me making my choice for my number one crush today. But what about you guys? I actually realized I've got a very complicated relationship with villains, like reading through like some oh. of my favorites, like every one that kind of bubbled up to the surface has an arc where they could be perceived as not necessarily a hero, but Anti-hero? Anti-hero. Like, mm. I really struggled to mm-hmm. find one that was just had a through line of just being a villain. Like, it was always somebody who, by the end of whatever medium they're in, um, they weren't, even if they were kind of a heel turn, you know, baddie, they still, um, there's a reason for it. And that's what I liked about them, you know? So, right. So, uh, um, that's what we were talking about. Instantly cut off if they didn't have that, that, that transition where they either became somewhat heroic or had a a sympathetic turn like I, I, every I, my whole list just right down is like nope that's the, too, too, too simple you know like uh, it was all these these like by the end were they the hero i don't think so but maybe kind of like ev- that was everybody that ended up like kind of getting onto my little cheat sheet you know yes yeah, uh, yeah i think that um i'm not gonna lie my choice this week probably well most definitely borders between villain and anti-hero and i think it depends on the minute and the day you encounter him his mood um <laughs> what he feels like doing and uh but I also have a lot of sympathy for him and his background and how he became the person he is. I want to, I want to ask a a little, maybe more nostalgic question about villains while we have everybody here is what is like the first memorable villain you remember seeing in TV or movie like early, early, early on, like maybe one of your earliest memories of a villain that you Maybe or maybe resonated with you or terrified you. Oh, I remember. I remember seeing the Star Wars movies when I was a kid, and I remember being horrified and disgusted by Jabba the Hutt because I was little. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, yes. he's so gross! Like, how would you? <laughs> he's clearly a villain. There's no heel turning in that scenario. You, he's like." fits into that category where you're like, oh, I'm okay if something bad befalls him, like whether he's <laughs> dead or whatever, I'm happy with that. I distinctly remember Jabba the Hutt, and I also remember Darth Vader. Um, I, I distinctly remember there's a part in, uh, there's a part in, the, I think it's the very first movie, is that, is that uh, The Empire Strikes Back? And um, he's with Princess Leia and he's like controlling her and there's this like contraption coming towards her but he's using the force and he's got that distinct voice and I remember like thinking he was really scary not like terrified like horror movie like I'm so scared but remember thinking oh this guy is like he's no joke and how how is anybody going to get out of whatever he's going to do because he seems it seems like he, he, I mean, talk about a villain who knows what he's doing. I think that Darth Vader fits into that category. So those are probably like my first two, 
at the very early memories of villains. So that would probably be his first, I don't remember a world without Star Wars kind of a thing. Like that's sort of like where my, where my little brain started. So um, like that would probably be the first villain. And it's funny that the, that the writers have spent 40 something years trying to make him a more complex villain. You know, like that was sort of, it was, he started off as very like, okay, here's the big scary guy in the big metal mask and the scary red sword. And then, so, and then like now they've spent decades, like how do Mm -hmm. we make this, what started off in the first film is a very one note kind of character. Um, a lot more. Um, yeah. It's funny the, the amount of time that they put into it, you know, it's the nuanced villain. I think people want that nuanced villain. They don't just want to, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's humanity popping up and being like, actually, we want someone who's not all bad. We want to know, and if they are, how did they get there? I think I think that is a resounding desire that we want from villains, I think. Um, uh, like, I personally don't think I want to be watching movies where I'm just like, oh, yeah, Hitler. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, he, You know what I mean? Like, just like, oh, right. <laughs> like, cheering him on from the sidelines. I don't think so. I'm trying to think of my first memory. And I watched a lot of TV growing up. And I think probably, funny enough, some of my first villains that I think were super memorable for me were probably from my Saturday morning cartoons Mm -hmm. where, I mean, it was everything from like X-Men and like there was like a Batman animated series at the time that I watched. I watched a lot of what they would call, I, I hate this, but like boy content. I loved a lot of superhero stuff and Cart- superhero cartoons of that nature and um and like disney disney definitely served me my first you know memorable villains everything from um uh cruella Deville mm, to she Jafar, was a good villain right there's so many and now she's gonna have a movie she's mm-hmm. gonna have her own movie which is Again, I think excellent. I want to see an origin story about Cruella Deville. Um, but yeah, I think those are mine. If and I if I can remember correctly. And when you said first, the first place I went to was sort of some of the animated, like the Don Bluth films. Remember the um, like uh, Secret of Nim and uh, or am oh. I am I dating myself? Is no, 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 I, I don't know older, that. But, um, I don't know that one. It's beautiful. Um, and it's about a mom trying to say it's um, they're a- awakened like smart mice and rats living in a, a field. Um, and she's trying to find medicine for her child before the tractor rolls over her little mouse house. Oh. But the rats that are against her are terrifying. <laughs> but they're, <laughs> but um, the, the animation was so like, like I can call to mind. There's a fight, like a sword fight between two rats with like little um, like pins for like 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 uh, uh like, yes. like uh, fencing swords so mm-hmm. cute and it's it's scary but it, as a kid like these are very humanized um and very intimidating and very and the animation was they weren't afraid to scare kids back then i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was it was that's terrifying right. artwork um there's this like this ancient owl that tries to eat her and like maybe that's an unsympathetic villain but it, like walking through spider webs and just these these um uh like kind of the um what do you call it when the, they're starting to go blind? The cataract eyes as his owls chasing this poor little oh. mouse. Um, like those are the villains that I, that the first thing that came to mind is like not necessarily pop culture icons, but like scaring the living 
shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they did their job, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it's yeah, it's funny. It's funny how we are always posed with this like good versus bad. So like Matt, you said you literally taught the class on sympathetic villains. What would be your elevator pitch for what makes a good villain? Um, you gotta, there's gotta be a reason why that's reasonable. Like, uh, they've got to have an end goal there. They might not be a hero, but they have an arc, you know, there's gotta be Mm -hmm. some end goal that they're working towards and it can't just be because, um, (laughs) I think, I think things like, like greed are boring for villains because we have that. You know, mm-hmm. greed is a perfectly yes. viable villainy in the real world. Give me something better than that. Um, or if it's going to be that, make it funny. Like I always think of, um, uh, because, and he's turned out to be a more sympathetic character, but like the arrogance of Loki and some of the early Marvel um, Avengers movies, like I am filled with glorious purpose. Oh, you melodramatic son yeah. of a bitch. Like, <laughs> like this is just dumb. We don't even know why you want to rule the world, but this is fun. <laughs> and like, just make it, charming as opposed to um and 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 just having an understanding of them as characters you got to put as much time into writing your villains as you do into your heroes and i think a lot of mm-hmm. writers when oh, they first start like out that. you know you'll, you'll think a lot about your heroes because that's where you're going to spend a lot of time but you got to put just as much energy and and love into your villains otherwise they they don't come to live uh, come to uh, to life the same way that your heroes do oh interesting I uh, so I just told you before we started recording that I started this uh, ten week feature screenplay writing class, and we just had our first class this past week, and uh, we were talking about protagonist and antagonist, of course. And um, my teacher said something about antagonist, uh, and he said the antagonist represents everything your protagonist lacks. And I was like, oh, Hmm. that's a very cool way to look at it. Um, Again, this like push and, you know, push and pull of these two different forces. I loved that. Um, So that hit home with me. I like the the, either the complete inverse or what if they're so similar to the hero that it's hard to, I actually kind of like, I think of it's Funny, I don't, I'm not as big a fan of it as I used to be, but watching The Walking Dead um, and realizing <laughs> yeah, Michelle that Michelle and I are also in the same boat. We liked it yeah. at first and not so much They now. introduced, the, what was it, the t- was it the tiger or something? And I was like, oh, <laughs> lost me. Like, lost me on that, guys. <laughs> but I, always, I always thought, like, if you took out of context and looked at the heroes of The Walking Dead from the an outside perspective, they are a roving band of sociopaths that kill everything in their way and leave, mm-hmm. a, leave a, like a, a, a swath of destruction across Georgia. Like they are, they're monsters if they're, if mm-hmm. you're not on their side um, yeah. and just take any outside perspective, like they just, they're murder hobos. <laughs> they are through the whole thing. <laughs> oh, um, that's a, be- that- now that's a spinoff. The Walking yeah. Dead needs just to, and it's it's <laughs> just all stories told from like somebody who meets like Rick and like he never looks like Andrew Lincoln. Like he's never handsome. He's always just like raw. Like, he's this, yes. like, like horrible barbarian looking dude. <laughs> With- yes, that's that is yep. I love a flip. I love a flip story too. I love mm-hmm. a story told from the villain's perspective. Ooh, for example, like uh, Wicked. 
Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. story of the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, it's so good. We should probably get into our crushes now. And Matt, because you are our special guest, you go first. Who is your fictional crush villain from sci-fi or fantasy? So in my um, search for like, you know, that they kept, there was always someone who swings back around the other, the other way. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to hedge my bets and say, whoever the villain is of Westworld at a given moment, because they're, Because whoever they are, they are wonderful and gorgeous and dangerous and horrible. But yes. but they like depending on the you know the depending on the season. Like for a while, Dolores is committing genocide, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you're still kind of on her side through the whole thing yeah. because there's a reason. You're for still it. like Just, that. Go for it. Just yes, go. You're... They've wronged you as a robot in so many ways. <laughs> like, there's Do nothing it, girl. Kill Do it. <laughs> Right, like, and she's not really, she's not the villain there. She's actually, mm-hmm. she's a, she's the avenging angel for her entire species, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but she is c- committing genocide, which is fairly, ge- you know, uh, you know, like there's mass murder um, on her hands. And does that make her a villain? Um, but as I'm thinking of her through that, like, is she the villain? Is she not? I even like kind of scaled back and thought of like the man in black. <laughs> yes, I like where your mind's going. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like. And he starts off as someone who loves the park, falls in love in the park, and realizes it needs a villain, becomes the villain because there needs to be one. Yeah. And and he's hypnotic to watch. And every time uh, Ed Harris is on screen, you just, what is he going to do now? Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, an, it's thrilling. And somehow you never, aside from like two or three people on that show, you never quite know who you're supposed to be rooting for because they all could be the villain depending on your, let's steal a Star Wars line done from a certain point of view. You know, um, mm-hmm. any one of them is the monster um, mm-hmm. and you never quite know, but they do this masterful way of making you, I mean, it's like legitimately get a crush on, on someone who's just about to, you know, try to wipe an entire species off the, off the, off the, <laughs> off, the off the planet. Um, yeah. And, and it's hard to actually think of anyone who hasn't been the monster for a little while on that show. Um, so it's sort of like this roving crush. <laughs> who, Ooh, who do I, I love lo- right now? Like, you know, um, I love that. It's funny that you mentioned Westworld because I was actually going to put someone down from Westworld and I was like, you know what? F it. I haven't even watched the last season. I'm probably the worst person to speak to Westworld right now. But I think that's a very, I've seen season one and season two. And I think that's the perfect way to put it is like, there is this, uh, Bo- you know, body snatcher, hap- you know, villain mm-hmm. thing happening where one moment it's this person, the next moment it's this person, the next pr- moment it's that person. It depends on your perspective. And in that first season, the man in black is so scary and you're just like, oh, he's doing all these terrible things. He definitely deserves his comeuppance. And then, mm-hmm. And then the story morphs a little bit and you get some backstory on Dolores. You get some backstory on uh, Andy Newton's character. I'm blanking um, on her Maeve. name. Yep. Maeve's Maeve, yes. Yep. And you see more of her. This isn't a spoiler, but you see more of her in, in season three. And it kind of mm-hmm. morphs a little bit. Especially, the, is it in season two where they have the, um, is it the Japanese take uh, like the the, the japan yeah, the season the, two where they start roaming to different yep. parks yeah yeah and they she, roam to different parks of the park and she goes crazy i mean but while, i love that episode 
Yeah, for a while, Tan- uh, Tandy Newton's character, Maeve, is um, just tearing through yeah. uh, humanity. And it's like, is is she? And then you spend half a season going, is she the ultimate villain here? And then yeah. maybe not. Okay, maybe not. Okay, she, she's not the ultimate villain here. And part of it, too, is that because it's about these robots that are learning to be alive, they're allowed to change. They can start mm-hmm. off as a monster and become something better. Um and that's oh. like they're, they're, they're allowed to change because that's their, we're watching them evolve at like literally evolve, like the de- de- definition of the word <laughs> evolve um, <laughs> since, we, since we're talking definitions. Um, True. And then, and then going back to someone who is blamed, which is why I loved that, that definition from the beginning. Like, so d- if you're looking at, you know, from like from season one is uh, Anthony Hopkins, the villain, because, he didn't tell a certain character what they actually were like, Mm -hmm. or did he do it? Like, does that make him a monster for not, um, for holding something from someone about who they are as a living creature or was he doing the right thing because he's trying to set that person free? Like, so was it a heroic act or was it a villainous act? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, it's Anthony Hopkins. Always hard to tell whether he's the good guy or the bad guy. But, um, <laughs> this is one hundred percent true. <laughs> and then, that, but that's why I was like, I was sitting there, like it was like playing Duck Hunt for who the villain was. Like I'm like, who is my favorite villain on the show? I don't know. <laughs> I like, I, I love I them all, that. and 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 not knowing who you know and where they'll go from here. Like it could be a completely different. Someone could be. Um, they very rarely have had an, a, a, a supremely villainous character, or you've got actors who are playing the villain and the hero at the same time because of the body snatching concept. Yeah. Right. Um, like, a uh, like Tessa Thompson's character, Tessa Thompson's is, is character. Like, like if you want to like a masterclass in performance, like Tessa Thompson playing other cast members, it's like, <laughs> like an actor nerd moment. Like, Oh my God, this is, a, yes. this is wonderful. Um, I love that. I love that when other actors have to portray another character, but still like in their same, in their same body. (laughs) Like um, they did that a lot in the Jumanji series, especially the recent one where like, it's the rock, but he's in the original one. The rock is like, he's pretend he's has to be like a little kid inside, like a teenage boy. Who's like, nothing looks like nothing like Dwayne Johnson. And then, and then is he, Danny DeVito later on like like I just love that and I know that the movie is it called Freaky that just came out with Vince Vaughn and there's like a body snatching moment and Vince Vaughn is a a, a serial killer and he switches bodies with a, a high school a teenage high school girl and so he's trapped in her body so she looks like that so she has to act like she's the serial killer stuck in a teenage body and then Vince Vaughn has to act out as if a teenage girl was stuck in his body and <laughs> talking to her friends but it's still Vince Vaughn <laughs> and I was watching some clips from it but I haven't seen the movie I think it did really well since it was released and I was just cracking up because the whole idea of him talking as if he's like talking to his girlfriends as a like 16 year old girl was like cracking me up I thought it was so funny but yet he's like a, you know, the outer persona of a villain, but his villainy is stuck in this teenage girl. <laughs> I, 
I think this is the perfect segue into my crush because there's actually a lot of overlap here. So speaking of like body snatchers, actors having to pretend to be another character while still playing a particular character and Anthony Hopkins and Tessa Thompson, we're all, we've talked about all these topics. My crush from this for this week is Loki. And you had mentioned him earlier, Matt and, uh, Thor Ragnarok. I found it hilarious when the movie opens and they're doing a play reenactment of Loki's death. (laughs) And oh my God, you've got Matt Damon playing Loki. It is the funniest thing. Anthony Hopkins is playing, is uh, pretending, you know, at that point uh, we find, well, we know that Anthony Hopkins really is Loki. His character, Odin, is actually Loki embodying his um, father's uh, look and uh, his, uh, basically, obviously embodying uh, his father, right? And so Anthony Hopkins playing Loki is the funniest thing. Like it <laughs> yes. is like it, it was so accurate. I was like, oh my God, you can see that Anthony Hopkins studied so hard on how do I pretend that Loki has embodied me. It is so, so good. Uh, another, I think, uh, uh, moment where you definitely want to look at uh, you uh, look at, uh, sorry, another actor nerd moment, right? Where we can be like, oh, let's appreciate Anthony Hopkins for uh his acting chops and his brilliance. And there's so many funny moments in that movie. Like there's, oh. there are throughout all the Thor movies, but that, <laughs> that last one, there's so many funny bits to it. And like, it's there's hilarious. And Kim has talked a while about her love for Loki. So I'm not surprised that Loki is her number one villain choice. I mean, uh, um, but I get it. I didn't get it until I sat down and like really wa- watched all the Thor movies. I mean, I'm still 100% Thor, but um, I get it. I get that appeal. And he's got, and Loki has a lot of like funny moments, like when. I think it's in the, I think it's in Ragnarok when they uh, hang out at Dr. Strange's house for a little bit. Is that right? (laughs) And it's so, they're just, everything that happens in that entire part of the movie is so funny to me. Well, here's what I'll say. So uh, just a little bit of background about Loki. If you're like, Kim, I don't know who the F is Loki. Who is that? Okay. Well, if you're like me and you've also lived under a rock and you've only just started watching the Marvel movies, um, Loki (laughs) is uh, an actual comic book character, actually first appeared in a comic book in 1949. So he's pretty old. He's been kicking around for quite some time. But Loki is... um, in all three Thor movies and some of the Avengers movies, Thor, Thor Dark World and Thor Ragnarok in that order. And um, basically, Loki's based off a real, no- real, I say real with quotes around it, real <laughs> Norse deity. Um, if you believe in the Norse deity, Loki, uh, good on you. Um, and he is known as the god of mischief, which is totally appropriate for his character. He, uh, spoiler alert, if you have not seen Thor, you learn that he is the actually adopted child of Odin and Frigga and um, is the brother, the adopted brother to Thor. So anyway, there's a lot of like sibling rivalry. I don't want to give it away because I think it's so beautiful. He has like a very touching um, 
like aha moment of who his true biological father is and um, kind of having this internal battle. I think of, am I like my father? Am I like my uh, uh, biological father? Or am I more like my adopted family? So you had mentioned uh, Ragnarok being hilarious. Ragnarok is by far the funniest Thor movie. It is so it's like night and day Taika Waititi directed it. And that couldn't be any more clear that he was behind that movie. But um, I think when it comes to Loki, I fell in love with that character in the second movie, dark world. And here's why spoiler alert. Or pause the podcast if you haven't watched pa- the yeah. Thor movies. Hit pause. Go, go watch pause. all three <laughs> Thor movies and come back. And then Kim can talk about the second Dark World Thor movie. Welcome back to Crush Fictionally. I hope you enjoyed <laughs> the Thor movies. Excellent. Excellent choice. Thor Dark World. Frigga, his mother dies. Thor uh, Thor and Loki's mother dies. And... um you realize just how close of a connection he has to his adoptive mother and how she basically was like, you're my son. You've always been my son. I'm your mother. They have a very poignant moment before she dies. And it's the last time he sees her and it's, you know, he's not very nice to her at that moment. He's very cutting. And then she ultimately dies. And later on Thor goes to visit him and Loki having his powers to um, I don't even know how you, how would you define his powers? I'm sure there's a uh, some online, but basically he has the ability to create visions of certain things. Like he can make himself look like other people and he can like put like a, I guess like a glamor over himself to make him appear like more happy or whatever, or it's interesting. <laughs> Someone tell me what Loki's powers are because clearly I don't really know. All I know is that he has them. So, you know, Thor goes to visit him. He's in pri- you know, he's imprisoned and he looks like he's just having a nice casual relaxing day by the fire reading a book and Thor's like, "Bruh, show me your real self because I know this is not you." And then he reveals his real self and he is distraught. He, his face looks like he's been crying for days. His hair's disheveled. His clothes are a mess. He, he's destroyed his prison room that he's in because he's learned that his mother has died and he ha- and that he regrets that their last moment together, he was so mean to her. Mm-hmm. So like, you're just like, oh, God, he loves his mom. I mean, is he all that bad? He loves his mom. <laughs> that become a villain rule? They must love their mom. <laughs> love your mom. Check. If they uh, love their mom, are they that bad? I don't know. But like <laughs> he, I think, I mean, Michelle always cracks me up because she's like, I love me a double cross and I love me a double me cross cross. And King, like Loki is the king of the double cross, the double cross cross, the double cross cross cross. Like he you is. just don't know. Especially in the end of that second movie, right? Because he, Mm -hmm. you know, we already said you've joined us because you've watched all the Thor movies. So um, (laughs) you you know that at the end he teams up with Thor and and you're like, oh, this is I don't know if this is going to go really well because he has a history of double of double crossing Thor. And then he does. But then it's a part of the plan. But then 
he still shows at the very end, at the very end before they cut away for the credits that he has a whole like sinister plan. And I was like, Oh, I get it. I get, he's got all this. He's got all of that in him where you're not really sure because he is the God of mischief, whether he's being honest in that moment where he's like, brother, I love you. Or he's like, actually, nah, I just was doing that to make you think that, that we're okay and we're cool, but really I'm going to double cross you any chance that I get. And we see that come up in the third movie for sure. Well, okay. So speaking of villains, uh, based off my research, apparently in 2009, Loki was ranked as IGN's eighth greatest comic book villain of all time. And then in 2014, they ranked again and he became, he moved up. He was the fourth greatest comic book villain of all time. So I'm not the only one who thinks he's great. Um, I really loved reading this quote from Tom Hiddleston who plays Loki, um, who I'm not mad at looking also looking at while watching the movies. Um, if I'm being 100% honest, I think he plays watch- a great Loki. He plays he, a fantastic. It's Loki. fantastic. Uh, I didn't watch any of the Marvel movies except for Guardians of the Galaxy and Black Panther. And the only reason I started watching any of these goddamn movies is because I think I saw a clip with Loki in it. And I was like, who is that? I need to know more. And that is the only reason why I started watching the Marvel movies. But Tom Hiddleston said this when... um, So, funny enough, there's a great clip of Tom Hiddleston, his audition tape, and it's not for Loki, it's for Thor. Yeah, he auditioned for Thor, right? That's crazy. Yes, he auditioned for Thor, and look, I ain't mad at that either, but I think he's definitely better as Loki. (laughs) Especially, like, I think Chris Hemsworth is a fantastic Thor. He's a fantastic Thor. Fantastic. And so them, those two together paired up, I think, is like the perfect match made in heaven, character heaven. So anyway, um, as they were researching it, the first movie is directed by Kenneth Branagh. Branagh? I always forget. I always forget how to pronounce his name. But y'all, y'all know who I'm talking about, like the fancy British dude who does all the, the Shakespearean Shakespeare movies. Dude, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Shakespeare dude. You know him. <laughs> so he directed the first Thor movie. And... So Tom Hiddleston and Kenneth Branagh, they're talking about how they create this character of Loki and uh, Tom Hiddleston, as he's recalling their conversations, he says, there was a kind of agent of chaos who would go down to earth and turn whales into sea serpents and flowers into dragons and whole streets of cars in New York into ice cream. But then there was also this damaged younger brother who didn't receive as much love as his older brother. And who was passed over, rejected, betrayed. I think that became really interesting for both of us, actually. Ken and I suddenly decided we wanted to root all of his mischief in a truthful psychological damage. He essentially was the younger brother who was never going to be king, and he wished that he could. So all of his actions come from wanting to please his father. I found the duality of that interesting. He's a villain. He has a lot of fun. He's a mischievous prankster, but at the same time, he's in deep, deep pain. And ooh, I think that nuanced, that nuanced portrayal of that villain totally comes through in all of these movies. Um, the last fun fact I will say is that Kenneth Branagh apparently let Tom Hiddleston have four different takes for every scene. And the first one was a freebie. Like Tom Hiddleston could, you know, uh, soup du jour. He could choose whatever kind of take he wanted to do. And then the second one was a Peter O'Toole inspired take. The third one was a Clint Eastwood inspired take. 
And the last one was a Jack Nicholson inspired take. And um, funny enough, even though Peter O'Toole was like one of the original actors they were talking about for inspiration, ultimately Kenneth Branagh apparently liked preferred the more Clint Eastwood and Jack hmm. Nicholson takes. Interesting. So yeah. if you're a Tom Hiddleston fan, I highly recommend looking up his impressions of his cast members, his fellow cast members. No. He does mm. a ridiculously good impression of all of the Chris's from Marvel. And he like does he a really d- good one of Owen Wilson too. Which yeah. It's hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah, his impressions are brilliant and just, and pointed to like his jokes about the Chris's are about um, bicep sizes. <laughs> Listen, I do not need another reason to love this man. So please she don't give me more. already has a lot. That's all right. I'll keep sending him to her. I send videos to Kim all the time whenever I come across a Tom Hiddleston video. It's a situation where Michelle and I have talked about this in the past, right? Where you, you're, you love a character, but you may not necessarily like the actor. I love both the character <laughs> and the actor, so I am royally screwed if I ever meet this man in person because I would just be like, blah, 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 blah. you have like a mental Hello. breakdown. <laughs> I would just short circuit. Just watch the hamster fall off the wheel and never get back <laughs> yeah, on <laughs> Truly, Michelle, you are our last reveal. Who I am? Oh is my gosh! Your fictional crush. My guy also has um, some pain and some sadness. He's got some anger management issues for sure. Um, (laughs) This character falls into the why Kim and I started this podcast in the first place. And it also falls into the category of, I guess I really love a guy in costume with a mask. Um, So my number one villain in sci-fi and fantasy is none other than Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben <laughs> Solo, <laughs> played by Adam Driver in The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I love this character. I, I have always, in speaking of the actor versus the character, I have no problem with Adam Driver. I think he's a great <laughs> actor. He's if you worried guy. if I had a problem with him, but I, I, I never really thought about him um, until I saw him in The Force Awakens and he comes off this ship because he's hunting down um, Poe Dameron and BB-8 and he's he wants to get the map to Skywalker. Um, but he comes down and I, there's something about his everything. I think it's the mask. I think it's uh, his whole, uh, what do you call it? An outfit, a costume (laughs) and his voice. Like it's the, it's all those things that I am totally drawn to. And in that first movie, he's, he's in a not great place. He's, he's doing bad things. (laughs) Um, He's doing bad things. He's really angry. Um, I, I am not a star Wars nerd by any by any means, so I want to do this justice when I talk about Star Wars, but I you do definitely know more than I do. But I enjoyed this. I enjoyed The Force Awakens. I know that people are really concerned. We've Matt even mentioned at the beginning that you know Star Wars and the whole Star Wars storyline has been going on for a long time, and there have been 
several villains that have come out of it. So I know when they talked about, oh, 2015, there's going to be a new Star Wars movie. Not everybody was really excited about it. Um, I was unfortunately, it was spoiled for me that Adam Driver was even in this movie. I would have preferred to not know that it was him until he actually takes off the helmet. Um but I knew it was him and I still am really into it. I'm still into him being this villain with this, with this like modulated voice. And he is, he has committed to the dark side. So for anybody, um, I guess that hasn't watched it, you can pause it. If you don't want to watch it, you don't want to spend the two hours. I don't know why you wouldn't, but um, he is uh, the son of, none other than Han Solo and Leia Organa or Princess Leia. And I think that's interesting. So he's got kind of like this iconic, you know, these iconic parents and grandparents. And although he was sent off to train as a Jedi under Luke Skywalker, he's, he gives off like these troubled child vibes. Like they just can't control and they send him off to be a Jedi. He, uh, he gives into the dark side um, based on uh, General Snoke, who kind of shows up in this uh, in The Force Awakens. And so he's fully given over to the dark side, is leading these stormtroopers, wants to find, I guess, Luke Skywalker as we're looking at this first movie and end it. But there's, uh, I, Matt, what you said about there has to be some like dedication to the heroes as much as the villain. And so you've got Ray, who's kind of this new hero that we haven't seen before, who is kind of light and good and, um, a little bit innocent and not knowing what her, her fate and everything we find out later in the other movies. And then him having this pull to the dark side and kind of being her opposite. But then you find out that they both have these really strong powers within the force as he tries to read her mind and she won't let him. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I am hundred percent on board with Kylo Ren <laughs> through all these movies. Um, you get his backstory later on. What I thought was interesting is that Adam driver chose this role over the role of Lex Luthor in uh, Batman, Superman versus Batman. So um, good pick. What a, yeah. Good pick. Good I call. really like <laughs> good decision. <laughs> I really like him. There were other uh, actors who were considered, which I think would have made it a wildly different story. Michael Fassbender being one of them. Um, oh. Lee Pace, who I love, but um, I don't, I think he's a little bit, older for this uh lee pace and eddie redmayne were all considered to be kylo ren but adam driver won out and i think he plays in the force awakens he plays this character so spot on as like this this boy because he's not really a man at this point who's been seduced by all these bad things that the dark side seems to offer him and wanting to fulfill his destiny and what he thinks is his destiny is following the dark side and and how angry he gets like he has fits of anger there's this one moment where (laughs) ray sneaks out of this chamber very uh, cleverly and he gets so mad and he starts taking his lightsaber and destroying everything and these stormtroopers are walking as these sparks are flying and then they're like oh and they like <laughs> walk back and turn around <laughs> like, so it's, good. Just, it's just such a funny moment and uh i i do enjoy his character arc through the entire 
through the entire three movies because you get a little bit more of him, obviously, in the other two. Some really great fight scenes with him and Ray. Um, I believe he has a fight scene with Finn, but that Force Awakens movie had <laughs> everything for me from like the funny moments to like the iconic music to um, baddies just being bad. Um, but you know that there's something, it's not just because you think that there's like, why would you be so drawn to Darth Vader? And he didn't even know that Darth Vader was really his grandfather. Um, so I love that. I think that, you know, Star Wars has gone down this path of giving us all different types of iconic villains, like pulp culture ones. And I just love him as Kylo Ren in that first movie. And then when we see what happens, I mean, I don't want to wholly spoil the whole series, but he kind of has a little bit of a turn your heel moment. I think, Matt, that you mentioned, like he turns a little bit in that last movie and you get more, not just more of his backstory, but you see him wrestling with this whole idea of, do I really want to commit to being this evil person? Is this person really who I am or am I actually like, uh, you know, do I, I still have goodness in me and what's that choice that I make? So Kylo Ren, hundred percent. I think you, uh, first of all, great choice. I surprised my brain didn't think of Kylo Ren myself, but Hey, look, uh, I'm glad you did. But um, the one thing I will mention, and this is probably a spoiler alert for any, uh, this is definitely a spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen this like latest star Wars trilogy, but I think they did a fantastic job at giving again, a backstory to Kylo Ren as to why he turned, because there is this moment where he recalls like where Luke Skywalker turns on him and you see his perspective, you see Kylo Ren's perspective in terms of like, uh, my own mentor was mm-hmm. about to kill me. Mm-hmm. And that moment, you're like, oh, Luke, you bad. And you're like, <laughs> and like, I'm sitting, as I sit here and I think like, oh my God, was this an in- a huge misunderstanding and this and it just goes to show like how do maybe people turn bad villains can turn bad just from a simple misunderstanding of like oh i woke up and i saw you standing over me i thought you were going to kill me you know what (laughs) i mean like and that's you know that set me on Mm -hmm. my path right like but you know and then you look at luke skywalker's perspective and he was like i can't remember exactly what it was but he was like oh no i was just trying to there was something, I think he was think trying he to would, look into his mind or something like that. Yeah, right? I think he was trying to assess, like, what Ben Solo's, like, where Ben Solo was coming from. Like, he knew that he had some draw to the dark side, but he was like, oh, how, you know, <laughs> how bad is it? Um, I was but just I poking also, around. i just checking you out, just making sure things are cool, <laughs> right? temperature check um but yeah i think that and i think that there's you see a lot of this pain in this character whether it's like this they don't really talk about it but what i would what the the perceived like pressure is to be to be the son of these two iconic people in (laughs) space to have them as your parents and then 
you know, if you're mischievous and you're just like, ugh, you need attention or whatever, and he's acting out and they're like, send him off. And he's like, well, I don't want to be doing this, but I can get immediate like gratification from the dark side because they appreciate me for who I am. So I'm just going to go do that because that seems to be more beneficial to me. And he can see a lot of like, the pain and angst. So if you haven't watched The Force Awakens, pause, please go watch it and then come back. And there is a moment where um, he's looking, I think he's looking for Ray and they're just about to escape. Um, and it's Han Solo and, and Chewbacca and Finn and Ray are there, but uh, Han Solo fall, follows Kylo Ren like onto this bridge and he's like Ben and he's like calling his son and he's like thinking you know I promised I promised Leia your mom that I would bring you back because she that was one thing she's like if you see him bring him back and so he goes out Han Solo and I loved Harrison Ford's Han Solo in all of this uh, especially in The Force Awakens and he um and he's trying to talk to him and have a moment with his son. And you can see and talk about a double cross to kill <laughs> your own dad. Like after you pretend like you're, uh, you, oh, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I need to make it. I don't know what I was thinking and I need to make a hard decision. And then he kills him. And I remember being in the movie theater and everybody just collectively gasped because one, you didn't see that coming. And it was such a poignant moment of you've got this villain who's taken off now his helmet and seems very vulnerable. And he seems like he's going to do the right thing. But we all know that something bad is going to befall poor Han Solo. And then it does. And you just you just can't get over it. And I just thought, oh, what an interesting, like, complicated villain but i still love him in this role and i love where they take the character later on and they and they give you some background on who he how he's trying to make this choice between good and evil and, and talk about a way to make the audience pick a side because having that happen to a beloved character for that Ooh. long like now you're Ooh. going to have strong opinions one way or the other what they're after yes. that scene um yes you really don't have a choice you can't you can't kind of sit on the fence after that moment so yeah you Listen, can't. I cried like a baby when Chewbacca cries out. When he finds yes. out that he, when Chewbacca cries out, I literally sobbed like a baby in my theater, in my seat in the movie theater in public, surrounded by hundreds of people. I don't care. I sobbed like a big baby. Speaking of uh, being a big baby, <laughs> <laughs> I hate to do this to you, wah, wah, but we got to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some new series coming that have, ch that are, I think are chock full of excellent villains that you'll want to tune into. So when we return. Hi, everyone. Well, you know, we don't have any ads as a part of this podcast, but we'd love to give shouts out to organizations and companies that we are excited about and ones we hope that you would look forward to using. So maybe you want to check out Red Planet Books and Comics, and that's spelled exactly how you think. Red Planet Books and Comics, R-E-D-P-L-A-N-E-T-B-O-O-K-S and the letter N, comics, C-O-M-I-C-S dot com. If you go to Red Planet Books in Comics dot com, you can check out 
their fantastic selection of native artwork, books, comics, all the very cool things that they have going on. You can shop them at any time and they will ship it right to you. So if you get a chance, all the way from Albuquerque, New Mexico, check out Red Planet Books and Comics. Thanks again for your support. We are back. You are listening to Crush Fictionally, and we are talking villains from sci-fi and fantasy. And, oh, Lord, I had talked earlier about how Disney served up a lot of villains. Um, Disney is great at villains. And speaking of Disney, Disney Plus is, like, churning out content like crazy. They're churning it like butter. Um <laughs> We've got a few different series coming out. I'm sure uh, if you are well deep into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you'll probably have already heard this news, but there are spinoffs happening. There is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which will be coming out sometime in 2021. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It is following The Falcon and the Winter Soldier from the Avengers movies and their antics, I'm sure, um, that expand out of the last movie from Endgame. There's also a very cool, I think what sounds like a very cool series coming out called WandaVision. And we don't know what the F that is going to be. (laughs) Disney is keeping it under wraps. All we know is it follows Wanda and Vision and, um, if you remember them from the Avengers movies, they have a little romantic love affair and, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Vision did not make it out of the old Marvel series, the phase, uh, the phase four, four movies. Um, so yeah. And so no one has any idea how Vision is alive. So we'll, we'll be finding out what this series is about. And that is actually got a premiere date as of January 15th, 2021. So not too far into the future. If you are looking forward to that, I'm certainly looking forward to that. And of course, my husband, my lover, Loki. He has his own series coming out in 2021, too. They are filming it right now in Atlanta, and it's basically going to follow Loki. So if you guys remember in Endgame, Loki steals the Tesseract because he's a naughty, naughty boy, and he takes off, and we don't know where he went, and he de- we don't know what he did. And uh, basically, we are going to see um, him travel through time and alter human history probably so it's filming right now and as hollywood um has informally said when it comes to releasing things we have no idea it'll come out whenever the hell it comes out okay we're in the middle of a pandemic that's literally the official statement from hollywood so hopefully sometime in 2021 and they don't make me wait too long and then speaking of star wars the mandalorian season two is out right now and if you are not watching it what are you doing what are you doing? I'm loving this show so much. Um, my only complaint is that they release episodes every Friday, and then I have to wait. I can't just all waste my weekend not moving and watching the entire series <laughs> in one go. Um, but, man, I love this show so much. It's so damn good. It's so uh, damn good. The first season got me, like, out of my mind. Then uh, <laughs> the set, like, everything that's happening in the second season, I'm like, how are they going to get out of this? What's next? And they surprised me. So the bar is set really high for The Mandalorian so far. 
my only complaint with the Mandalorian is it come is because of my work schedule. I could watch it first thing in the morning and I have self-control online. <laughs> and then this week with Thanksgiving, everybody had Friday off and all of a sudden I'm like, guys, 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 can you not post like the biggest <laughs> news of the episode at 10 AM? There are people I who know. actually can't watch it until tonight. Like, I, I, know. Like, I want it to go back where I get to watch it in the morning and just sit here and wait for everybody else to get caught up. You know, I know yeah. stupid Twitter freaking sent me a notification about someone saying the spoiler from the last Mandalorian episode. I was like, damn you. Damn no you. spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers here. I'm I think I'm one episode behind, to be quite honest. So, and I'm not good. mad about that Pedro Pascal photo of him holding a pillow like baby Yoda while he does some voiceover work. I could look <laughs> at that you photo are all day. Not following so us on Instagram. If you are not following at Crush Fictionally on Instagram, what are you doing with your life? Because Michelle is setting up the best post of you've ever seen in your life. And we had one that went freaking hot it was like a freaking hot wildfire it was spreading all over it was pedro pascal holding a pillow doing his voiceovers for the mandalorian and we had people commenting saying i i never wanted to be a pillow so much in my life (laughs) i love that girl (laughs) it was fantastic it was the best and every 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 person who finds Pedro Pascal attractive was dreaming of being a miniature pillow held in his arm as he was doing his voiceover work. For I have come to the conclusion that I like characters with a mask because <laughs> I like Pedro Pascal in general. I like him as an actor, but man, he puts on that. Uh, what is it? The Bascar like armor yes. and the helmet and the voice. And I, a hundred percent sold. Leave me here. I just keep making more of this. John Favreau, your goddamn angel. Like this is just <laughs> such a good show. Um, best, speaking uh, of Star, oh, I was <laughs> say the best. The best thing I've heard about Pedro um, lately was uh, he doesn't look particularly flattering in the new Wonder Woman movie. And someone oh. said, why would you do our, our beautiful Pedro dirty like that? Like, it was like, why, would you do, why would you make him look like that? And they're like legitimately offended that he looks vaguely kind of puffy and he has like bad blonde hair. Um, oh, I think like, I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have Pedro. him, you don't make him look like that. They were so offended. And he looks like he's having a great time because Pedro always looks like he's having a great time. So it was like, Oh, oh, yeah, I, I, look, I don't, I really truly cannot say that I cared too much about star Wars before this latest trilogy. And now the Mandalorian, and now my ass is sucked in, yo. I feel like I have gone into arguments about with uh, my boyfriend as to like, who's that character? Is it Boba Fett? Like I'm literally deep guys. I'm too deep now. <laughs> I have I have stepped into the uh, quick uh, quicksand pit of Star Wars thanks to this latest trilogy and The Mandalorian, and now I'm in too deep. Although Michelle, I won't give anything away, but this latest episode, there's a character, and I, we absolutely should be this character at some point for Halloween, and her costume is amazing. Oh, uh, I can't on the wait. Show. I'm like, I can't mm, wait. I need this costume. How do I it make just that? Does, the Mandalorian does all the right things as far as for me, as far as like minor characters and uh, female uh, representation, diverse characters. Uh, there's that funny, uh, the funny bit, uh, the funny episode with Jason Sudeikis and as a storm, and not a stormtrooper, they call him on the bikes. I forget, but. Oh, God, um, yeah, with the, with the. 
the the with, with or, baby or Yoda the, abusing the baby. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> yeah, just, uh, just so funny. But yeah, they've really got me. I like I said, I think that seeing the Force Awakens, it has all of those elements where it's got a little bit of funny. It's got some a lot of like light versus you know the light versus the the force versus using it for good or evil or the dark side. And there is a character that Kim and I saw in the last, in the last installment, which was the rise of Skywalker, an actress named Naomi Aki, and she plays Janna. Um, you see her for a hot minute in the rise of Skywalker. Um, but there have been talks that they're going to give her a spinoff series. And we don't know oh, if yeah. she's, Related to Landau Calrissian, which would be very cool. Um, but there, you'll if you go back and and watch or you look up, um, um, look her up. There have been talks that they're going to give her a spinoff series, and I am a hundred percent for that. I would definitely watch it. I would definitely watch more Finn, to be quite honest. Um, I feel like no, they did him particularly right in the storytelling in those last two movies but um i loved I him like in that first one thread a lot didn't they? they did they they could have given him so much more and i think john boyega is such a great actor and um he was so phenomenal in the movies and as finn that i i want to see more finn um so hopefully we'll see no more of naomi jack as janna in this star wars spinoff what they're being very mom about who her character is and what the backstory is and what this story could possibly be, but I am a hundred percent there for it. They do it. Yeah. I mean, on that same note, Disney has been very public about how the Mandalorian will be, there will be offshoots from the Mandalorian as well. So it's just, it's like, okay, they're introducing all these new characters with each episode. Who's going to be the person that gets a spinoff. So that's kind of up for debate right now, but They've been super open about it. They're like, yeah, we're going to milk this franchise for everything we can. And we're going to take your money, Kim. They literally put take that it. in the press release. They said, take my money. We're going to take, take your money, Kim. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> kind of feels like the future for them is in the short form stories too. Like to mm-hmm. put the put the big feature films on the shelf for a little while and tell a whole bunch of little ones about this world that they've been building for so long. Like there's just yeah. so much good stuff for them to mess with and telling short stories about lots of little characters. Um there's a lot to explore there for them, and they've got they've got Disney Plus. Just keep throwing it on there. They've got you know who needs who needs if, who knows who knows when we'll be back in movie theaters anyway. So yeah, um, I did want to uh, uh, mention that. It, have you either of you ever done uh, Comic Cons? I have not. Um, hopefully, the world will return to normal because after hearing yes. both of your number one choices as a denizen, um, being a sci-fi writer, I work a lot of Comic Cons. I do book signings and stuff. Um, the amount of Kylo and Loki fan art, um, out there is, it's just, it's a vast ocean. (laughs) Like when you say like, there's so much, so much out there. Are any of them naked? Yes. (laughs) Great. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some erotic fanfic out there for you, Kim. I'm going to be doing some heavy Googling, uh, (laughs) with my safe search off later just, on just, just throw in fan art and either of those names and there's i mean there's some re- remarkable work there's a lot of like that's one of the best parts about working comic cons is seeing the the the, the new artists like oh i bet. playing with with but then it's like ooh, oh and there's that okay <laughs> like okay that's, one, that's, that's that too and there's so, naked loki yep, okay. okay all right there you go. <laughs> okay all right 
<laughs> and that's I'm like, prob- how do I buy? <laughs> how do I buy Just, this you know, artwork? Like, you'll make you'll make a, a new artist very happy, and you, you'll walk away with <laughs> original artwork. Can okay. I get some commissioned work? Um, <laughs> oh, this podcast is taking a turn. Um, I I love that you have gone to comic cons. I have I've been interested in them, but I don't know. I'm just like, eh, I can't be bothered. And of course, I live so close to San Diego, the most famous comic con in the mm-hmm. world. Um, that I've I've just not. But I know a lot of people who definitely live that life and do it, and it looks like a lot of fun. Like it looks I love like the be, dedication of it of yeah. people like dressing up. And Matt will probably be too humble and shy to admit this, but he told me that people when you've gone to comic con that people have dressed up as some of your characters from the Indestructibles have, have, have yeah. dressed up and I Amazing. love that so much. The funny thing is, so Doc Silence wears red tinted sunglasses um, in his description. And the first time someone walked up to me dressed as one of the characters, I look up and it was um, Daredevil had just come out on Netflix. So everybody was wearing red glasses. Like there's oh just lots God. of like people, be, you know, of people course. were like dirtying up a, a dress shirt and wearing red glasses and being Matt Murdock. And, um, but so I look up and there's a kid standing at my booth and he's just smirking at me and he's wearing red glasses. I'm like, why is Daredevil smiling at me? What's going on here? <laughs> and I look, I'm like, oh, he's wearing like a trench coat and he's got this and his hair is blue. Holy shit, you're dark silence. And his parents were like 20 feet back. And this was, oh, he's a yes. he's probably like 14, 15 year old kid. And they're like, <gasps> he's been trying to find your booth all day. Like this is. And then oh, about 20 minutes later, a grown man walked up dressed as Doc Silence, too. Like, yes. yes. Um, who actually, that. that particular cosplayer invited me to his wedding. He and his wife were fans of the book. What? Yeah. They were like, please, sir. We'd be honored. And, yeah. and um, it was the coolest wedding I've ever seen. They had an archway built out of books. Um, oh, they, I they love built, that. Yeah, like, 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 a, they were married under under an archway of books, and then they had um, uh, just different like sci-fi or comic book or um, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter themed stuff all over. Like, that's where all the centerpieces were all geek themed. And I went because if someone who's read your books invites you to their wedding, you, you, and you can get there in a day, I could get there by car. I'm like, if I don't have to get on an airplane, I'll go. And that's awesome. It was wild, but yeah, that. he. And he showed up one, and I actually met him. I met he and him and his wife as they they were dressed as Jon Snow and Arya from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, um, or his, his now wife, his girlfriend at the time. And um, uh, Jason Momoa walked behind them as they were talking to me, and they're <laughs> they're buying my book. This is how I met them. They're buying the book at Comic Con and getting a signed copy. And I'm like, listen, I would love for you to stay and talk to me because I'm having a really good time. But Khal Drogo just walked behind you. And I don't know. And they're like, we'll be back. And they just yeah. they took the book and they, they, they joined this swarm of people following yes. like eight foot tall Jason Momoa down the, cause he's just walking of around course. like a big old surfer dude. Um, um, and then I don't know, three or four years, years later, I got invited to their wedding. It was crazy. I love that. that. Oh, Man, we've got a, we got a famous author on the pod. <laughs> you guys have to check it out. Um, Let's get into some honorable mentions real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So does anybody have any honorable mentions? People who didn't make it quite to the top of the list, but they want to give a shout out to for villain. So funny thing that we keep talking about Ragnarok, um, mm-hmm. because 
I it was like the whole like uh, when I was I was talking with Michelle like are we thinking like mental crushes are we thinking just like <gasps> like when you see them on screen yeah, for like, the first yeah. time I'm you in know, love like, with you and uh, <laughs> I, I joked around that I could just watch um, Kate Blanchett do the the horns Hella's horns like when she makes them grow out of her head like I could just watch it on repeat oh, yeah. for hours just to stare there like I think I think my aesthetic is goth Galadriel I actually think that was, like, <laughs> Yes. was like just definitive like okay like i can't go real in depth on this one like you know there's a lot that i like about hella as a character because you know the neglected sort of abused older older sibling forgotten Um, about and they've totally like rewritten her history and the ceilings and she comes back and is like i did all this stuff for you and you pretend like you don't you don't know me come on and there's that whole sort of sense of like amused entitlement like no this is mine um, yes. And the fact mm-hmm. that she changes the family mm-hmm. dynamic from like the jock older brother and the the sad sack younger brother to he, he, now Thor is the weird happy kid in the middle. He's the weird middle child. Like, why yes. is he so happy all the time? But yeah, like, I, what, it's the, um, uh, the visual of, um, which is funny, we talk about how great Taika is at doing comedy, but that, that visual of her just running the hand over her head and like the horns sprout mm-hmm. um those obsidian horns like oh my now that is something just get a gift of that just save it she <laughs> is look i didn't even know she was in this movie and then i watched it and i was like oh shit kate planchett i was like i mean she's phenomenal and then you see her as this like fantastic villain i i also was like damn she's looking good god damn i had to google how old she was because I was like, she looks great. She looks fantastic. In Damn this woman. She's like 51 years old and she looks freaking phenomenal. I also agree with that take. She was also on my honorable mentions list. I have one other honorable mention because look, guys, if I'm being perfectly honest, I didn't really get into sci-fi and fantasy until like maybe a few years ago. So I, it, I've got a very small list of things I've actually seen and watched, but um, Game of Thrones is one of them. And there are so many fantastic villains on there. But I think one the, one of the ones that I found the most interesting was Peter Baelish, played by the incomparable Aiden Gillen. I mean, one minute you're like, yeah, you're rooting for him. And the next minute you're like, no, why'd you do that? I think he, he definitely falls into this category of kind of like a Loki where you're like, man, is he going to double cross his ass or is he going to double cross, 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 or is he going to double cross, cross, (laughs) cross, cross? You just don't know. So I, I loved that character. He, you just never knew if he was going to take a left or a right turn or just drive straight through or jump off a cliff. You just had no idea where he was headed. And, um, oh God, it was a good series up until they ruined it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought him up too, because I was racking my brains for a crushworthy villain on in Game of Thrones. Cause I watched the whole thing straight through. And I was even thinking it has two of the least crushable villains ever created with, um, Prince Joffrey and, Joffrey. uh, Ramsey oh. Bolton. Like just, there's yeah. nothing likable at all about them, which they're good examples of how to make, if you can't make the audience like a villain, you can really make them hate everything about you them. Can yes. lo- you can make the audience love to hate because mm-hmm. I was yep. very late to Game of Thrones and I remember um, Kim knows because I texted her as I, <laughs> as I would watch episodes and seasons and I watched all whatever seven seasons a very short period of time before season eight came out and I was like oh this Joffrey I cannot wait till he gets his I cannot and then I think it was Kim who was like oh just wait till you meet 
have you met Ramsey yet? And I was like, oh, no. And then once I did, I was like, oh, no, he's the worst. He is the absolute worst villain because there's no re- there is no redeeming quality yeah. to him whatsoever and so for they, they were the two that came to mind for like there's absolutely nothing to like about them but it is nope. there's a benefit to having a villain that you can't wait till something bad happens to him yes. <laughs> too, you know? yeah yes. like, oh i'm only sticking around to see you die yeah. please tell me this guy gets his please tell me this guy gets his and he does he does ramsey does and it was so good Michelle, who's on your honorable mentions? Uh, well, I couldn't say Kylo Ren without talking about the OG of the dark side, um, Darth <laughs> yeah. Vader, voiced by James Earl Jones. Um, what an iconic voice. What uh, the music, the Imperial March, John Williams. I mean, you hear that music and you know exactly what to expect. So um, I will give my shout out to that. I know that there are some crazy themes as far as how they built Darth Vader and the character of Darth Vader and the stormtroopers and basing that um, a little bit on the real stormtroopers in real life. Um, And I won't go into that, but I do love the voice of James Earl Jones. I would also like to give out a shout out. We talk about him all the time as an actor, Giancarlo Esposito playing Moff Gideon in the Mandalorian. Ooh, he shows up and you're like, it's about to be a bad time. (laughs) Shit going to go down, man. (laughs) I wanted to look up, look him up without trying to spoil anything for myself. Um, but he is like the law enforcement for, uh, you know, the the Empire, which is like, does it get worse than being, you know, the Imperial Security Bureau in the evil Empire? I mean, that is all bad. And then the last one I will actually mention, you know her as an actress from Game of Thrones, Gwendolyn Christie, who played Captain Phasma in the Star Wars series, who was originally meant to be a male character. Um, but I'll never forget, it was right before The Force Awakens came out, and there were lots of talks about new characters that we were going to see and who they were. And I was at this uh, this shop, and they had um, they had Christmas ornaments out, and they were all different kind. They had this little section that was all like Star Wars Christmas ornaments. And these two little boys came up who were brothers, and they were like, "Whoa!" They were so excited about these Star Wars action figures and whatever Christmas ornaments. And the oldest brother says to the little one, "He's like, look, it's Captain Phasma," and the little brother goes. Wow, Captain Phasma. <laughs> what is, and he waits and they're just staring, they're holding this box. It's not even out of the box. And I couldn't get over how excited they were. And the little brother goes to the big brother, Whoa, what does, what does Captain Phasma do? And the older brother goes, I don't know. <laughs> and the little brother goes, wow. And they both looked at the box, and they, at the same time, they go, Captain Phasma. And I was like, how cool is that, that you would, ha- that you would have that affinity to some – because she is not a likable villain. She's she's pretty bad. She's got some cool-ass armor that's made of chrome. But they were so into her action figure, and they just were holding it like it was, you know, the second coming of Christ. They were holding this box up, and they were just like, wow, and they were so into her. And I just was like, that's so cool. I don't even know if they knew that she was played by, you know, her characters played by a woman. But they just, I think of that whenever they, whenever I see Captain Phasma or somebody mentions her name, I think of those two little boys going, <laughs> wow. Like, like, 
like that is so just cute. how you would want somebody to feel about a character that you mm. wrote or portrayed that they would just be like I don't care what you do I don't know your backstory but man I am into it and shout out to those cute little boys Something <laughs> that that for, for creating characters in sci-fi the visual on top of the character because there is that element of like pulling someone in like what 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 story do they tell mm-hmm. just by looking at them and that's a series that definitely does that like there's a whole lot of characters nobody knows jack shit about in star wars like, <laughs> but they're just so cool like it's like that's well, a star that wars special a, thing a, right well, yeah. that's a big yeah. is a big one because we don't we don't What's know much doing? about boba fett except he's a bounty hunter you look him up there's there i know that there's like i'm sure wiki sites and fan sites and stuff mm. but he doesn't spend a lot of time in any of these original star wars movies you don't see him that much in it but he has like this crazy cult following and apparently sorry i just have to give a quick addendum because like speaking of like you know like you're saying matt like oh you know i don't know what the hell this person's about but dang they look so cool so boba fett uh well, as I'm watching The Mandalorian, right? Um, spoiler alert, in season two, there is like uh, Boba Fett's armor shows up. And it, it's so recognizable to people who know the original trilogy. And and by original, I mean the one from freaking decades ago, right? So um, James, my boyfriend and I were, you know, were watching The Mandalorian and they show the armor, Boba Fett's armor. Now, I didn't know that it was Boba Fett's armor because I don't know jack shit, right? And, and I, and James goes, oh, shit, Boba Fett. And I go, what? And he's like, Boba Fett? I'm like, what? I like how he said it like louder and with more distinction as if that was going to help. You know, he's going to do this to me. You know, he's going to do this to me, make me feel like shit. So like he goes, that's, and I go, how do you know that's Boba Fett's armor? He goes, uh, cause it looks exactly like (laughs) Boba Fett's armor. (laughs) Oh my God. It's just so, I'm laughing because like, I don't know shit. Right. James like uh it, it's as if like you know what i mean as if some like think of like superman's costume right if someone was like because <laughs> it's superman's costume kim it has the s and the shield on it and it's blue and red you dumb ass so like i just laughed so hard because it's because these things are so iconic and had i known the original trilogy i probably could have put two and two together myself but the fact that like my boyfriend's like because it looks exactly like boba fett's armor oh my god that made me laugh so hard but i do think the series does a good job of like i don't know that you have to be because i am not like a star wars nerd so like um i don't need any deep cuts necessarily or a ton of easter eggs but i feel like you can watch the mandalorian and if you if you enjoy you know fantasy or sci-fi if you enjoy that type of show i think you can still enjoy that show without being like fully in like trenched in like star wars knowledge i've been saying all along that i think it's a like the masterfulness of the writing of the show is there's so much in there for if you've been if you've been following for 40 years you go oh oh that yeah easter eggs but, for days yeah and, and respectfully like not just doing it to do like they're actually doing story elements that matter with old stuff mm-hmm. but you can also be mm-hmm. watching it for the first time be like this show's great don't know anything about yeah, it yes. this show's great like yeah, um yeah. like the there's been a couple of characters revealed recently from the animated series which if you're an adult 
Yes. That you would have been like, I'm not on a goddamn cartoon. Which, by the way, funny, on my runner-up list, and one of the characters from the animated thing was I actually made my cut for the runner-up list because she was so well-developed. Um, which one? There's um, a character called Asajj Ventress. She's a, a lightsaber-wielding villain. I wonder if she'll make an appearance in The Mandalorian because be, they have been pulling a lot from The Clone Wars. Yeah. Guys, and, I know too much about Star Wars shit because I've had to research it for random projects. Someone had to explain <laughs> yeah, that to me because there was a character that showed up and someone said, oh, do you know so-and-so? And I was like, I don't. And he's like, oh, well, if the, he was very nice about, well, there's something to like look out for or something. And I was like, oh, yeah. cool, because well, I haven't the, watched all the other Star Wars. And it's funny because I could see like if you're a grown-ass adult, you're not going to watch a, car- a Star Wars cartoon. <laughs> but a friend of mine uh, just had his his wife uh, just watched it. He watched it. Um, and they're written for adults, really, like a lot of it. And yeah. um, there's yeah. a lot of really like sad, touching stuff. And I got the text message, we're going to watch the episode when such and such happens. Like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And then we saw a public, <laughs> public social media post. Why? From the from his wife. Like, how could you needed to warn me that this is going to happen? I'm crying over a cartoon. And it was uh-huh. like, and he warned us, like, guys, um, Sue's going to be a little, little, a little rough shape later. Like, we're watching the episode when such and such happens. Like, good luck. May the force be with you, my friend. You're the one that can't <laughs> yeah. deal with it. Because so. you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and you're the one that, t- that talked her into watching it. So you're the one that's going to have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. Um, we need to – we're going to do a very quick game because we need to close up this episode. Matt, I've had the best time talking to you. So much Thank fun. You. So much fun. It has been a real pleasure. Real life author who's literally taught classes on how to write villains. Man, did we strike gold or what? We're going to play <laughs> a very quick game. And you can't think too hard on this, okay? All right. We're going to play Bang, Mary, Kill. Oh, no. <laughs> and of the three choices that we have brought in today, Kylo Ren, Loki, and I'm going to say Dolores for Westworld right. so we can... Unless, we can, yeah, unless you want us to pick somebody or else. But the Man we'll in Black. Dolores. We can choose the Man in Black from Westworld. No, we'll go with... Oh, jeez. <laughs> Either <laughs> way, you got, got some a, hard yeah. choices. Matt's got uh, a lot actually, of hard no, choices ahead of him. This will be... This, I think I, this is easier than, than, than I thought it was going to be. Oh, good. Okay. Um, I'm going to make sure I do it in the right order. Um, <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. It'll be Dolores, Loki, Kylo. How about that? Okay, I so think, you're going to bang, De- would, would bang Dolores. Yes. You're going to marry, marry, marry Lo- Kyle. Because I Lo- think Lo- Loki will be infinitely entertaining for the rest <laughs> of eternity, right? Like, marry Loki, gonna get bored. yes. Yes. <laughs> and then you're going to kill Kylo Ren. Yeah. Vengeance for dad. In you know all. what? I actually think that was the perfect. That was the perfect. <laughs> bang, marry, kill. I'm not going to lie. Well, that, that was like was- the perfect one. <laughs> I almost panicked for a second there. I'm like, no, actually, no, this is, uh, yeah, nope, like that, nope, this just, it nope. slots right in there perfectly. Like, it's like Legos. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, if you want to send us your bang, Mary kill choices for today, you can choose from our three choices. Maybe you've got a villain from sci-fi or fantasy that you're like, nah, bitch, you should have chose this person. <laughs> Hit us up. You know where to find us on social media at crush fictionally. <laughs> Thanks to Campfire Media. And may the force be with you. In between episodes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Crush Fictionally. And feel free to slide into those DMs. 
Or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. You've been listening to Crush Fictionally with original music by the talented Edith Mudge, artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock, and produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real. the rom-com review podcast p.s i love rom-coms each week we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com grand gestures meet cutes and of course that elusive chemistry mia what are you doing holding that giant boom box over your head i'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture take us back find a new episode every week and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast brought to you by campfire media Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.